And uh, anybody excited about heaven? Anybody want to go there? Be like the the church service where the pastor said, uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, stand, and one man remains seated. And the pastor said, sir, you don't want to go to heaven? He said, I just thought you was getting a load ready now. Uh, So some of us sometimes in our in our sicknesses, we was talking to Gary, and the doctor gave him some comforting news. He said, your heart's going to probably kill you before your cancer does. He was trying to find the comfort in that. <laughs> so he was being philosophical. He said, you know, it'd probably be better that way. But you know, Gary, the wonderful thing is all that dying does is open the door to the better things that God has for us. We found a good life in living for the Lord. But it's just the building place that gets us ready for the best place. Amen? And I found out who this wonderful couple is. This is Al Guy's brother, Kent, and his wife, Mary. We're glad to have you all with us today. Amen. Amen. Learning how God speaks. That's something exciting. How many times you wish, you know, that you were real keen in that area. That you could discern his voice. You could know what, that, that, that was God. You know, you've, we've had times when we, we had no shadow of doubt. We had other times in our life where we, we said, now, was that God or was that me? It's like the fellow that tried to preach, couldn't preach, and somebody said, well, how did you get your call? He said, I looked up in the sky, and he said, I saw GP. And he said, I interpreted that to mean go preach. And this is old time. This is a long time ago. And the fellow said, really, what God was selling you, son, is go plow. <laughs> Learning. To discern the voice of the Lord. God sees everything in one view. All of it. Brother Steve Gotro uh, purchased the house five days before it flooded in the Prairieville Baton Rouge area. It was in November of last year that he was having a conversation with God and uh, He felt like God spoke to him and said, sell your house, take some of that money, put it in the church. The church is too small. The parking lot's too small. They need finances. So anyway, this is what pastors do. And uh, he just felt like that was God telling him, sell this house, go buy another one, start over. And so he did that. And so I was there with him tearing out sheetrock after the house flooded and uh, all the cars that he builds had flooded. (laughs) And uh, he said, you know, God knew this in November. He saw it all. (laughs) He saw the end from the beginning. And so he he knew what he was talking to me about. He knew this was going to happen. 
Brother Steve bought his house five days before it flooded. Of course, he said if I would have bought flood insurance, it wouldn't have covered because they don't cover for 30 days. And even those that have insurance are fighting with them. But God knows. Flood didn't surprise him. Hurricanes don't surprise him. Wars do not surprise him. Governments, laws that are made, these things don't surprise him. And sometimes in our in our struggle to understand him, we don't understand the present pain in light of the eternal scope. We we ask God fix it and do it yesterday. <laughs> Heal me and do it now. Rescue me in this situation. Now, but who knows but what God is simply using this as part of the building process to develop character in our life so that he may reveal himself to the world through us. Amen? The scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 through 39 For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. In Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, there is a... tourist attraction, a visitor center that is a dome, uh, a sphere, whatever you call it. There's a painting there that is, when you get in the building, it completely surrounds you. It's a depiction of the Gettysburg Battle of 1863. And it will take you through it. You can see it on YouTube as best as they could do it. But standing in that building, they said you can go step by step through the battle of Gettysburg. And it, it's all around you. It's 40 foot high. It's, it's a huge thing. It's called a cyclorama. It is, it it just, instead of a panoramic view, it's a cycloramic view. It just takes you all around through that battle. When we look at things, if we could look at things through God's eye view, 
I guess it would be akin to the cyclorama. It would be in some sense like that. He sees where it starts, but he also sees everything to the very end. The thing we need to keep in mind in getting this divine perspective is like what he said in the book of Jeremiah, I know what I have planned for you, a future and a hope. In God's eye view, it's hard for us to see beyond the moment. It's hard for us to see beyond what we're dealing with today. It's hard for us to figure out if Hillary or Trump's going to win. It's hard for us to figure out what will be if either one of them win. Who loses? (laughs) Does anybody win? (laughs) And then what's our option? We're wrestling with that. And sometimes I'm thinking God's smiling. Yeah. He's smiling. Because he sees the end. And I think I hear him saying, if you'll get on my team, we're going to win. If you get on God's team, it's a win. It's a win now. It's a win in the end. This is the best life. I declare, I've, I've, I've been doing this all my life. I'm 67. I thought when Brother Ken saw that old man picking up stuff on that project, I was wondering if he was talking about me. <laughs> because that's what I did on the Church of the Day project, was pick up stuff. I finally told him yesterday, I said, Brother, Brother Carroll was there with me. And... Uh, of course, he didn't look like one of those old men. He, he had something to do. He had a hammer. He was out working. He was busy. And, uh, but I, I, I told him, I said, it's time for us to go to the motel and rest. I said, I'm digging stuff out of the dirt here trying to look busy. And then yesterday, I just told him, I said, let's go home. I can't do any less. There were so many people that I couldn't get my hand on anything to help with. But the church got built. And uh, it's, it's just an abuse, amazing. You probably saw some video clips of it on TV. If you did watch the news, there was uh, three television stations covering that project. And the lady from KPLC said she was going back for church today. She was so amazed uh, at what was going on. And so I hope she gets pictures of the church service. But from the start to the finish, you know, how do you see it all coming together? God has a plan of redemption. From the time that he redeemed Adam and Eve with the blood of a lamb, he had a plan. He could see that cross. He could see the cross when he was making clothes for Adam and Eve. And the blood of an animal was being shed and to cover their mistakes, their sins, their failures. God sees the big picture. I feel just so strongly at this moment to say 
Don't allow the devil to lock your vision in to your pain-filled situation and just continue to focus on that. Look beyond. Why don't you just have the courage to say, God, what's going on here? What do you have in store for me? If, if you could just give me the faith to believe you, to see the end of it and to see my way through. God does speak. To understand how he speaks, what way he speaks, can impact your faith. What was it that we said just a few weeks ago? If your faith doesn't fail, then Satan's plans will. Jesus looked at the apostle Peter and he said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. You want to do your brother and your sister a favor, pray that their faith doesn't fail. Speak into their life words of encouragement that build their faith. Be sensitive to God. Be sensitive to your brother and your sister's need. It might not be that you need to talk about LSU's loss. You might need to talk about Jesus' win and build their faith. We, 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 if we're not careful, we can get so... We can waste so much time going in the wrong direction when somebody is just needing somebody to build their faith and encourage them in their walk with God. You say, well, well, preacher, I, you know, we've been talking about this last day's thing so long that about the last thing is going to be me. I look at people like Brother Buggy. He came in this thing believing, hearing it preached red hot. There was probably no doubt nights that he went home wondering if that was the night the trumpet was going to sound. He's 92, 93 years old. I've heard some of our Tremendously great preachers believed that they would be the one to see the rapture. They did get to go to be with the Lord, but it wasn't the rapture. But the enemy would like to tell us that you didn't hear what he said. You got it all wrong. They like to say all sorts of things that try to confuse faith and discourage hearts. But what we need to do is learn how God speaks. Do you know that God can speak a single prophetic word that will fit multiple generations? It's called the Bible. It fits the day it was spoken. 
And it fits the following generation. And it will fit the generation that follows us, should there be one. Because it's the word of God. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, it's because he's God. It's because he's God. People come up with a lot of crazy ideas about the last days, the end of time. Simply because they do not understand the voice of God and what he is saying. We've heard God speak to us. There's some that have already heard a word in this service that will change the direction and the course of their life. It may have been the song, could be a testimony. Sometimes it's a brother that has a word of knowledge from God and he just stops by and says, I was in prayer for you and the Lord said, thus and so. It may be a message in tongues that is interpreted and that interpretation fits our situation. God speaks. Every time we pick up this book, every time we read his word, if we are listening, he speaks into our life. He speaks to every generation from the same book. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, I'm kind of like my granddaughter. She either has learned that favorite is a wonderful word or she just has learned that there's a lot of favorite things. And so she said, that's my favorite food. That's my favorite. And and I find myself looking at a scripture and say, that's my favorite scripture. (laughs) And then I'll have another favorite. (laughs) Anybody else in the house like that? Isaiah chapter 40 is one of those chapters that uh, is multi-generational. I have used it current times in funerals as I spoke to families where the Lord says, comfort ye, comfort ye. And it, that word brought a comfort in this present generation. But it was spoken years ago, years before Christ came. Matter of fact, part of that, that chapter is Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. In there you hear words that we hear every Christmas from songs like those that come from Handel's Messiah. Prepare the way of the Lord, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. We make that application to John the Baptist when he came to prepare the way before the Lord. But notice when it was spoken initially was hundreds of years before. 
I'm talking about learning to listen to the voice of the Lord. It's possible that people could be mixed up. I know people that have some very strange views about the coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord, the fulfillment of of biblical prophecy because they think that it can only, that word that they read could only speak to one generation. And as a result, they feel like everything's already happened and nothing else is going to happen. There's something that in the scripture is called the dual fulfillment. Dual fulfillment of scripture. It fit the generation in which it was spoken, and yet it fits the generation in which the person is reading it today. It's probably not just dual fulfillment. It just fits The Word of God is a living thing. It's live. It it, it fits. It works. What the enemy would like to do is try to get us to get mixed up, get confused, and lose faith in the Word of God. So what we must continually find ourselves doing is applying the word of God, trusting God that he knows what he's doing. As I said, the psalmist said in 131, I put it in my own words. He said, I've discovered that God is God and I'm not him. He knows stuff I don't know and it's not for me to worry about. (laughs) And so I just steal myself. I just quiet myself. In other words, I just trust God that he knows what he's doing. When Matthew was writing the word of God on the inspiration of the Lord, he used the word that it might be fulfilled to explain the word of God. But he was quoting Old Testament, and it had already been fulfilled. So now he's saying that it might be fulfilled. Matthew chapter 24, many people have have taken Matthew 24 and said that that applies to the Jews. It has nothing to do with the church. But is there the possibility that it could apply to the Jews and it could apply to the church? It's a dual fulfillment of the word of God. So it's important for us to look at this thing from God's perspective. The word of God can have immediate fulfillment to the audience that heard it the first time. Jesus spoke to them and told them that the temple would be destroyed. So in that generation, Matthew 24, the the temple was to be destroyed. But other parts of that prophecy had to do with the ultimate cosmic judgment, the second coming of Christ. And then thirdly, 
Other parts of it speak to both the times various signs are offered there. So in order to appreciate the prophetic pronouncements of the Word of God, we must look at the big picture. But it's hard for us to see the big picture. Why is that? We're, we're human. We, we must look at it as a two-sided coin. God's not schizophrenic. He's not flippant, but he has a plan. God is able to tell us about a situation, but he's also able to help us to endure the situation. When we look at the stories of the Old Testament and the children of Israel and what they went through, we see that God pronounced judgment and then he brought them through. He either encapsulated them in Egypt, in Goshen, or he was able to deliver them as he did through the Red Sea. There are various ways in which God fulfills his word. But in the entirety of it is God's wonderful plan of redemption. And in the end, God wins. Amen? That term, the day of the Lord, I have heard various interpretations, various opinions and uh, people try to put this in, in the strictest sense of a certain day and a certain hour or a certain time. But in reality, it's used many times in the Word of God. Isaiah 13 and 6 said, Well, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as the destruction from the Almighty. So, it was at that point they, the Assyrians came in and took over and overran them. And Israel suffered through that period of judgment. But yet we go and we read other places in the word of God where it talks about, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their iniquity, and I will halt the arrogance of the proud, will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible, Isaiah 13 and 11. So the prophecy of destruction foreshadowed God's day of judgment. Jeremiah 46 and 10, for the day of the Lord, Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. And then in Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 3, for the day of the Lord is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day, it shall be the time of the heathen. Obadiah was looking for some encouragement, said, for the day of the Lord is near upon the, all the heathen as though, 
as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine head. Zephaniah wrote and he said, Hold thy peace as, of, as at the presence of the Lord, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the day of the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guest. We, sign, we look at that today as, as the gathering of the, the Middle East and how that Russia has come down now in, into the Middle East. And, but at that point in time, Zephaniah was seeing it happen in his day. And so here we are today looking at biblical prophecy. So God sees things from the start to the finish. And we can make the application of the word of God in different generations. Zephaniah 1 and 14 said, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth gracefully. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. And Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and the judgment. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So God is to that generation. He quickened their heart that they needed to be ready. They need to be ready at that moment. They said, it's near. The day of the Lord is near. I think one of the wisest things I ever heard a prophecy teacher tell me is that every generation since Jesus ascended has had sufficient evidence to believe that Christ could return in their generation. That same desire, that same looking up that's in our hearts today was in the generation that preceded us and the generation that heard it on the day that it was given. There's no reason to lose faith in the Word of God. It's simply that God is long-suffering and God makes His Word applicable to the generation that hears it. So for every generation, there is a pronouncement of judgment. A judgment and a hope that is both immediately and ultimate. And that he has prepared something better. You say, I wish there wasn't so much chaos in this world. I wish there wasn't so much trouble. I've, I've heard people criticize God and curse God and just say all kind of ugly things about God and as though it was going to change something. But the truth is, he wants you to know this ain't heaven. Now, you say, well, we don't have it too good. You know, things are a little... There's people in the third world countries that would trade places with us and think they went to heaven. If they could go to the store and get anything they wanted, they had a money or a credit card to get it, they'd think they were in heaven. They don't even have the option. 
to go to church and sit down and worship God and just be in such an atmosphere and never have to worry about the police or bandits or whoever coming into their service. They'd think they was already in heaven if they were here today. And so we must keep it in perspective that sometimes we need a little reminder. If your elbow's aching, or your knee's aching, or your stomach hurts, or you didn't get all the bills paid, it's just a little reminder. It ain't heaven yet. <laughs> But it's going to be heaven one day. And every promise that God has made, He will fulfill. You've probably done this. The mother pulls her little five-year-old daughter into an embrace and whispers into her ear, You are the specialist girl in the whole wide world. And I love you very much. Little girl thought, Mama's told me this a lot. But then she looks at her mother and says, What about my sister Katie? Isn't she special? She said, Oh, yes. She's my specialist girl in the whole wide world. But, but I thought I was. Oh, you are, whispered her mother as she continued to hold her. Said, don't you understand that my heart is big enough that both you and Katie, each of you are the most specialist? The little girl smiled back at her mother, not entirely understanding, but understanding enough. Israel was specialist to God, but so is the church. We're special to God. We are what he died for. We are what he purchased with his blood. Habakkuk, 600 years before Christ, asked God for some answers concerning the destruction that was coming to the children of Israel. And that word that he got from God was, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. God kept his Word to Habakkuk. The enemies were ultimately defeated. But yet that same promise is quoted in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. That same word is there again. And he says, for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. God was speaking a word that was multi-generational. A word that would fit each generation. He fulfilled it 
in Obadiah's day. And he will fulfill it in our day. So how do we find out what God is saying today? How do we align ourselves with God's eternal, redemptive plan and purpose in our life? The subject of flooding is fresh in our mind, but there was a flood a number of years ago in a South Dakota town on the bank of the Red River. The river was well beyond its flood stage. The town had twice before been devastated by the river. Sounds a lot like Lake Arthur. Said in one instance of that flooding, homes were actually swept off of their foundation and carried away. And so the town began to work like they did recently in Lake Arthur. And they began to build a wall of sandbags. A reporter was making their way through the town and approached a woman that was pouring sand into a bag that her husband was holding and or she was holding the bag and her husband was pouring sand into it and her young son would carry the bags to the levee and place them in. The reporter said, uh, pardon me, but I'm, I'm doing a human interest story. And I wonder if I could ask you a few questions on the emotional impact of the flood on your family. <laughs> the woman thought, I've got a few questions of my own. And most important is, why are you taking pictures and not feeling sandbags. She didn't have any use for a reporter. She just needed help. And in our day today, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. We've got to keep the things in perspective as they should be. There's a lot of things out there grabbing for our attention and wanting us to focus here and there. Remember, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I'm here to remind us today, the main thing is Jesus is coming. And there's a redemption process at work in every one of our lives. He paid it all. He's done all the work. He went to Calvary. He shed his blood. His plan is that we embrace Calvary. That we embrace his work. And we give ourselves into his plan of redemption to try to reach out to one more, to help one more Get ready for his coming. Let's stand together. His plan is that we repent. Repent of our sins 
be baptized in his lovely name for the remission of those sins. And be filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. But I feel the strong question in the house today is, are you filled? It's not were you filled, it's are you filled? The apostle writing to the Ephesians said, be filled with the Spirit. If you're not filled with His Spirit, then discouragement will be constantly badgering your mind. You will be fighting battles you can't win because it's through the power of His Holy Spirit that we can be made overcomers. I cannot begin to tell you how Helpful God will be in your life if you allow His Spirit to fill you, to fill you, to fill you, to fill you, to fill you. It will be the driving force of your life. He will rise and fight your battles for you. He will make you an overcomer. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Jesus. Jesus. Would you just begin to call his name right now? Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, in our hearts, in our lives, and in our souls. We want to keep this thing in perspective, Lord. We want to be able to somehow get close enough to you to to get the view that you have and not allow the devil to talk us into seeing things his way. I pray for the faith of every one of us in this house that it be strengthened, that it falter not, Lord. Wrap us up in your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. I open this altar today to all of us. Why don't we walk down here today and just recommit to God and say, I don't want to lose my heavenly view. I don't want anything to distort my journey, distract me from the way. Everybody's welcome here today. Come on, let's don't lose our view. Don't let anything separate us. Don't let anything separate us, Lord Jesus.